0: Habakkuk said, Lord, please tell me what you're doing. And God said, no, I'm not going to tell you, Habakkuk. Because if I told you what I was doing, you wouldn't believe it. If God today told us what he's doing in the world, we wouldn't believe it. Don't you think God's given up and God's abdicated and God's left the throne? He hasn't. He's still on the throne. And those of us that know him put our trust in him and him alone. I don't put my trust in Washington, I don't put my trust in the United Nations, I don't put my trust in myself, I don't put trust in my money, I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. When all the rest of it fails and crumbles and shatters, he'll be there.
1: Set free.
2: Good morning. I want to welcome you here. Thank you for being here and also by the way of Facebook Live we want to thank you for joining us as well. I have a a quick announcement and then I want to read a a passage of scripture to you. Uh, When we we are finished here and when we exit out over here I have the uh, Mature Living and also Home Life magazines and Journey. And uh, if you'll pick those up on your way out when you, when you drop your tithes off, they're right over here under the awning. So uh, I want to read to you what Jesus was speaking to uh, in Matthew 6 and 33 and 34. He says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Verse 34 says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for that for the day of its own trouble. Let us not be anxious, but let us seek first the kingdom of God first and his righteousness and not worry. Thank you. May God bless you, and may you worship with us today. Thank you for being here. You are my strength when
1: I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel, Lord, to give up I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. I bless your name you are my all in all When I fall down you pick me up When I am dry you fill my cup You are my all
0: of Baptist Church. As you know, this is the time in our service that we set aside to pray. So I'm going to ask you and your vehicles and those on Facebook Live, will you pray uh, w- with each other as I lead us in this prayer time? Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, for the wonderful opportunity to assemble together as a church, Lord, to worship you through song, Father, through prayer and through the, through the written word. And Father, I just want to thank you, Father, for your grace and for your mercy that makes salvation possible. And Lord, I pray for everyone that's listening today whether they're on campus or off campus. Father, if there's anyone today who has never placed their faith and trust in you, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. And Father, I pray we want to thank you, Lord, for saving us. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for sanctifying us and, Lord, for helping us to grow spiritually. And I pray that this service would bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: This is my testimony.
0: What a blessing. Aren't you thankful that you've been rescued and that he never gave up on you? This morning's message is called Born Again. Very familiar passage of scripture in John chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 15. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn there with me and I'll read. The Bible says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him.' So, Nicodemus shows great respect to Jesus. He says, we know you come from God. We know that you're a miracle worker. But he did not know who Jesus was. Notice what Jesus said. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, or truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So unless you're born again, there's no hope for you. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, very important, Nicodemus should know both of these examples from the Old Testament, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Very important verse. Everything that you can produce in your fleshly life, spiritually speaking, is still just flesh. But that which is born of the Spirit, something that you cannot do, Is of the Spirit. Do not marvel, Jesus said, that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Now notice what Jesus says. Are you the teacher of Israel, the teacher of Israel, and you do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. And you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Then he uses this Old Testament example that shows us what it means to have faith. Nicodemus would have understood this example perfectly. Jesus says this, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish to have eternal life. That's John 3.16 before John 3.16. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the written word. Thank you for Nicodemus, Father, and his searching. Father, thank you for Jesus. Lord, the red letters show us how to be born again today. I pray that we all, before this service is over, would replace our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. You're our only hope. Or there's not enough religious needs that I can do. My good will never a- outweigh my bad. If it did, it wouldn't matter. Jesus, only only you can save. And Father, I pray that we would understand that today. Being religious is a good thing, but it does not save us. Father, as we study your word today, I pray that you would impress on the hearts and minds of all that are lost their great need for salvation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What does it mean to be born again, and why is it important? Jesus dramatically transformed in the core of our being. we were born anew, we're made alive to God. In the new birth, God gives us new life that only he can give. Our soul is washed and regenerated. This is the greatest miracle God ever performs. So first off, let's look at this man, Nicodemus. The first point of the message is this. Nicodemus was religious, but he was lost. Sometimes the hardest people to reach with the gospel are those who falsely presume they have a right relationship with God because of their religious upbringing and religious activity. What Nicodemus found when he talked to Jesus on this night was not that he needed a new perspective on life, but he needed a new life entirely. The first thing we notice about Nicodemus is that he was a Pharisee. This designation reveals that he was a member of the most spiritually elite group in Israel. The word Pharisee means separatist, which means they were separated They were basically separated morally and socially. They were an isolated group. They tried to live as far removed from the moral defilements of the culture as possible. There were never more than 6,000 Pharisees in the country at a time. They were known as the Brotherhood. To enter into this sacred brotherhood, they would take an oath before three people, three witnesses, to spend all their lives observing every detail of the scribal law. We also know that as a Pharisee, Nicodemus was very wealthy. He traveled to the tomb. He traveled to the tomb where Nicodemus brought for the body of Jesus a mixture of myrrh and aloes of about 100 pounds. Only a rich man could afford, uh, afford that. Rabbinical tradition makes Nicodemus one of the three richest men in Jerusalem. One commentator said this, that Nicodemus's family at the time was the Rockefeller and the Eisenhowers of his day. But as a Pharisee, he was still lost and he needed to be born again. He was a very conservative religious person, very conservative with the Bible. He was a part of the, the strictest religious sect in the nation and the most conservative in the land. Religiously speaking, no one leaned further right than Nicodemus. Think about these things. He was a hyper-fundamentalist. He tried to be morally pure in, in, in the way he lived. He would stay away from people and places that were identified with immorality. He was a, he was a committed tither. He believed the Bible. He believed the Old Testament was a very revelation of God. He believed it all, and he was devoted to it. Very unlike the scribes of their day, who were the religious liberals of the day, they denied almost every supernatural aspect of God's divine inspiration. Nicodemus believed everything that God wrote was from God's hand, and he was still lost. He was a ruler of the Jews, Jesus says. says, John says that in verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. What does that mean? That means he was a member of the Sanhedrin, the inner circle that functioned as a ruling body of the nation. He, he was an influential person, very successful. Seventy of these men, along with the high priest, served on this supreme court of the land, if you will. All the law went through them. The higher he rose, one man said, the less he enjoyed it. Something was missing in his life, even though he was a ruler of the Jews. and had this very uh, prominent and privileged position. That his family would have been very proud of. He was still lost. And then the final thing we know about Nicodemus is this he was lost. He was lost. Religious, but lost. Notice Jesus calls him the teacher of Israel, which means this Nicodemus, people love to hear him teach God's word. He could probably expound, he was probably a great orchard. He probably knew the Old Testament front and back and could explain it and apply it and had great illustrations. But Nicodemus was still lost. Stephen Lawson put it this way, Nicodemus was standing directly before the only entrance leading into the kingdom of God, yet his blindness kept him outside. Listen to this quote about religion. Religion in any form, to any degree, is completely useless in getting anybody to heaven. Jesus' words shatter once and for all every supposed excellence of man's religion, religious devotion, and behavior. Our religious behavior All moral behavior, all religious achievement, all ceremony, all ritual, all devotion adds up to absolutely zero. Paul said this when he looked back on his life and and his uh, grooming as a Pharisee and as a religious person, he says, all these things I counted as gain at one time, then I saw Christ, and then I counted it all as great loss. Nicodemus was religious, but lost. He'd be a good church member in Alexander County probably. And every church would be glad to have him. The second thing we see here is that only God can save. Jesus says in verse three, "Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, born again, born from above, is what the word means. Be born again." Nicodemus cannot be born again by anything he does, and that surprises Nicodemus. Nothing Nicodemus does can help him to become born again. He cannot contribute. He did not contribute to his first birth. And he cannot contribute to his spiritual birth. The new birth is accomplished exclusively by God. And Jesus uses his two great illustrations here. He uses water and he uses the wind. And he basically looks at Nicodemus and whenever he shares these illustrations, he says, you're the teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things because water, to a Jewish person, they understood what that meant. It's the working of the Holy Spirit, the water and the wind. The water signifies your soul being cleansed. And you can't do that with religious rituals. Baptism can't do this. It's a picture of it, but it does not do it. You can't sprinkle water on a person, regardless of their age, say some magic words and impart faith into that person. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He says this is a picture, it's an Old Testament picture as well, of of someone's soul being cleansed by the Holy Spirit. Before God places a new heart within a person, he must cleanse the sin-stained soul. He will not place a clean heart inside a filthy soul. This internal cleansing is an important aspect of the work of God in the new birth. Jesus used water as a synonym for the inner purifying work of the Holy Spirit. It's not actual water that saves just like it's not the actual wind. These two metaphors for the Spirit, water and wind, picture the Holy Spirit as administering first a cleansing force like water and second an irresistible power like the wind. And Jesus looks at Nicodemus and says are you the teacher of Israel yet you do not understand these things because you should have known the Old Testament Ezekiel prophesied this I will God talking through the prophet Ezekiel says this I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean the sprinkling of water in the Old Testament pictured the internal purification that accompanies divine forgiveness when Jesus explicitly said to him that he must be born of water he meant a symbol of regeneration this radical heart change, that inner washing of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, the Old Testament or the New Testament talks about this often. In First Corinthians six eleven, when Paul was talking to the church at Corinth and talking about all the sins that they had committed, he says, "Some of you were this, some of you were that." And then he says this, "And such were some of you, but you were washed." Talking about water, a good picture of water. But you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. Paul writing to Titus shares the same idea of water. He says, You are not saved by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. writer of Hebrews says this, talking of water, like Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, this inner soul cleansing. He says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The washing of water by the Spirit must take place within the sin-plagued soul of Nicodemus. He says you must be born of water. And then he says you must be born of the Spirit or of the wind. One scholar put it this way. There is a fundamental principle of nature that like produces like. This unbreakable continuity is built into creation by the Creator Himself. An apple seed can only produce an apple tree, never a towering redwood. A watermelon seed can only produce watermelon, never corn. An elephant will never give birth to a baby eagle. Elephants produce elephants and nothing else. What is true in the natural world holds true in the spiritual realm. When the Holy Spirit regenerates the human heart, He reproduces a holy life in the soul. Nothing else can produce spiritual life except the living God. That which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. You cannot save yourself. Only God can save you. And Jesus says the Holy Spirit must initiate salvation. Paul said to the church at Corinth, no one can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. So what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit convicts of sin in regards to salvation. The word convict just means cause to see. You remember the first time God caused you to see your spiritually lost condition. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit draws the sinner to Christ. Jesus said, no one will come after me unless my Father's Spirit draws him. And then the Holy Spirit enables the sinner to trust in Christ. Once again, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And then the third point is this. You must believe for yourself. You must. Nicodemus, you must be born again. And he uses an Old Testament example that Nicodemus would have understood well. He talks about a bronze serpent lifted on a pole. And Jesus says in verse 14, And Moses, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Nicodemus would have understood this when the children of Israel were wandering in the desert. They had so much unbelief and so much complaining that God sent venomous snakes in their camp. And those venomous snakes started biting people. Men, women, boys, and girls, and they started dying. So Moses goes before God and he says, God, please, please, I know there are stubborn people, but please make a way for these people to be healed. And this is what God said in Numbers 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And that shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was if the serpent... If anyone had been bitten by the serpent, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now, think about how ridiculous that sounds. You have people that are about to die or are in the process of dying, and Moses says, if you'll look at this bronze serpent on this pole and you believe God, if God tells you to look at it, if you believe him, you'll be healed. And guess what happened? People were being healed. They looked at that bronze serpent and said, God, I believe whatever you tell me, and they were healed, miraculously healed. Then other people would say, I'm not going to do that. That's so foolish. Isn't that amazing? R.C. Sproul said this, Even in their death agonies, in the throes of terror and pain inflicted by these serpents, many of the Israelites would not trust God's prescribed course, even though the cure rate was 100%. You know what Jesus is telling Nicodemus? I'm lifted up on a pole. You look at me and believe in me and you'll be saved. The cure rate is 100%. The only hope you have, Nicodemus, is not in being a Pharisee. It's not in being wealthy. It's not in knowing the Bible. It's not in serving the Lord. The only hope you have is the Son of God, the Lamb of God, lifted up on a pole. Look to me and believe. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in that, in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Eternal life, Jesus says, Nicodemus, you can have it. If you believe, you place your faith and trust in me and not rely on yourself Jesus says in John 5 24 most assuredly I say to you he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life present tense has it eternal life and shall not come into judgment but is passed from death into life the moment Nicodemus you believe you'll have eternal life never ending life with God here and for eternity eternal life means the life God gives will never end God bestows a pardon that is irrevocable. Jesus said at the tomb of Lazarus to those who have eternal life, I am the resurrection and the life. He who, there's this word, believes in me, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? What Jesus is saying is this. Those who are made alive in the new birth will never die spiritually. Every believer who physically dies will spiritually live forever with God. And I'll close by saying this in the heat of this Sunday morning, is this. Are you like Nicodemus? Are you at a crossroads? What are you trusting in right now for your salvation? God sent his son, Jesus. John called him the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he was lifted up on a cross. And he says, all who look look to me and believe will be born again. What are you trusting in right now for for your salvation? You must be born again. Have you been? I am trusting in the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world, the resurrected Christ. He's my only hope. You can be saved today. What is your decision? I would encourage you to come to Christ, trust in Christ, believe in Christ, and be gloriously born again and have eternal life that can start today and never end. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? If you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, I would encourage you to do it now with every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, we trust the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that today you would be the water in someone's life. And Lord, cleanse their sin-contaminated soul. Lord, I'm amazed at what people will do to try to try to clean themselves up. And Lord, it never works. Father, I pray that you would wash people spiritually clean. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would initiate salvation. Lord, only you can give sight to the blind and raise the spiritually dead. And Father, I pray that you would convict lost sinners of their sin and cause them to see their need for Jesus. And then, Father, I pray that in people's homes today, in their cars, that, Father, people that are just like Nicodemus, are far from God, would believe in Christ today, and be gloriously saved today. We must be born again. We must. And whoever believes, your word says, has eternal life, which starts in that moment. Today is the day of salvation. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Father, we thank you so much. I pray that men and women today would do like we think Nicodemus did, repent and place their faith and trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people say together, amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm going to ask Kevin.